I want you to turn to Mark chapter one, and uh, this will be maybe a little bit like the young, days when you were younger and did Bible sword drills, and you had to go to different passages, but it's good for you to know what the Bible says about certain things. And uh, I know on this Wednesday night uh, that the folks that are here, I know the love you have for the word of God and the love you have for the Lord. And what I say tonight is not an easy sermon to preach, and it has nothing to do with you. I want to clarify that in the beginning. It's not because you are hard to preach to. You are the easiest group that a preacher can ever preach to. It is what I'm preaching about, because the subject that we'll deal with tonight is one of those subjects that if the enemy of our soul had his way, it would never be preached from a pulpit anywhere and it would never be talked about and it would never be revealed whatsoever. But yet you can't overlook it in the word of God. It's not a teaching that Christ taught that when Christ died and rose from the grave that it ended. It is as prevalent today as it was when Jesus was here. His healing ministry that took place not only dealt with diseases, but also dealt with devils. And there were times that he came face to face with the enemy, teaching us what to do. You do not do what I do on a daily basis or what anyone else that is in the work of the Lord. And if you are in service to the Lord, if you are standing for the Lord, and if you are doing what's right, there will be situations that arise that it is nothing more than the enemy at work and you know it. I'm not going into details on everything because I don't like praising the devil. You know, I'm not, I'm not worried about him. You worry about him if you want to. I'm not worried about him. Not because I have power, but because Jesus has power over him. He can overcome. But there are times I got in a situation, I counsel a lot of people, I talk to a lot of people. There's people that I've never met them. I don't know them. An individual that, uh, that needed to talk to me this week. And, and when I found myself in this situation, I was confronted with pure evil. Have you ever been at a place where you know this is evil? I, I know where this is coming from. Now, that doesn't mean the person is evil. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's that the enemy uses people. And evil will confront you at sometimes, certain times when you least expect it. In Mark chapter 1 and verse 21, the Bible says this, And they went into Capernaum, that's Jesus and his disciples, and straightway on the Sabbath day, so it's the Lord's day, he entered into the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes. And there was in their synagogue, did you hear that? In the church. There was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out saying, let us alone, underline those three words, let us alone. Then he said, what have we to do with thee? Thou Jesus of Nazareth, underline this phrase, art thou come to destroy us? 
I know thee who thou art. And underline this phrase, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, hold thy peace and come out of him. Jesus didn't rebuke the man. Jesus rebuked the spirit that was in the man. See, he's telling us we don't battle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers, wickedness, it's there. And they were all amazed. And uh, let me go back on that and, and said, he rebuked him saying, hold thy peace and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had torn him and cried with a loud voice, he came out of him. And they were all amazed in so much that they questioned among themselves saying, what thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority commandeth he even the unclean spirits and they do obey him. And immediately his fame spread throughout all the region round about Galilee. Well, this area of Capernaum where the Lord is at if you ever visit the Holy Land, Capernaum, of course, is right in that area where Jesus performed 70 to 80% of the recorded miracles that he did on this earth, he did in that area. That area is almost in beauty, is almost like a diamond in a jeweler's shop on black velvet with, a, with bright and brilliant light shining down on it. It stands out in that area. It's a place of refreshment. It's a place of beauty. After you get out not very far and you see the Judean wilderness and here's this beautiful, beautiful lake that's there, the Sea of Galilee and Capernaum, this city that Jesus spent much of his time and so much time that here he is on the Sabbath day. He goes into the synagogue, which for the Jews was the place of learning about God. It was the place that we would call our church as Christian believers. So it was like the local church to the Jews. It was their place of teaching, the synagogue. So he goes into the synagogue and he's met with this man with an unclean spirit. So Jesus has a confrontation with this unclean spirit. Now, I don't want you to get the wrong idea. You see, uh, the, the very fact that this happens, sometimes I think we get in our mind that, that it's like two boxers in a ring and God is in one corner and the devil's in the other corner and the Lord's going to take him on. It's not that way. It's a fixed fight. He's already won before the conflict ever comes. He wasn't worried about this confrontation because he knew the authority that he had. He didn't just get the authority. He had the authority when, when he created this world and when Lucifer was created and the morning star fell, he had authority over him then. He has authority over him now. He has authority over him in the future. And one day he will bind the devil hand and foot and cast him into the bottomless pit forevermore. So it's not like he's living in fear. He's trying to portray this to us. Why did Jesus let this go on? To tell us, first of all, we've got to see the reality of demons. Now in your Bible, the word demons doesn't appear. It's devils. But demons are real. Devils are real. Unclean spirits are real. 
And if you don't believe that, you're in trouble already. You're like the guy that was in a boxing ring and he was absolutely getting beat. He could hardly see out of his eyes. They were swollen, his legs were weak. He was bleeding all over. He sits down in the corner and his trainer says, come on, man, you're winning this fight. And he's thinking to himself, I don't feel like I'm winning. And he said, don't worry about it. He's not laying a glove on you. And the boxer looked back at his trainer and he said, if he's not laying a glove on me, then somebody better get that ref because I'm getting beat to death in there. And sometimes that's how we feel. We think that they don't exist. Therefore, we're in a battle getting beat up and we don't even know the source of all of it or what to do about it. Devils are real. I remember when I was a kid growing up, uh, a little boy uh, growing up and I, I hate to do this because people think you're getting nostalgic and you're living too much in the good old days but I'm glad we had to make up our own fun. <laughs> And, and, and I'm not on to you if I was a kid I, and I had iPad, iPhone, whatever it is, uh, any game that you have and you play, I'd play those games now too. But, uh, oh, I'd hate to think of what I am. If I'm this big, having played outside all of my life as a kid, I'd hate to think how big I would have been if I sat around and, <laughs> but that's for another day. But we had to make up our own fun. Now, some of you, don't be embarrassed. Relate to what I'm saying. One of the things we did, us boys on the mountain, one of the things that we did when we'd have a little spare time, we turned over rocks. Now, the reason we turned over rocks, we just wanted to see what was under them. And do you know when you turn over big rocks, Sometimes there would be all kinds of bugs and slimy things. And the amazing thing about it was you didn't know they existed. They were in another world until you turned the rock over. And then once you turned the rock over, they couldn't stand sunlight. They would scatter. Didn't matter if it was ants or beetles or whatever it was. When the light came, they couldn't stand it. They had to run for cover. And as long as the devil can keep the churches and the world at a place where they deny the existence of devils and demons and unclean spirits, then he's going to win because people don't even think that he exists. Do you know now from pulpits, fundamental pulpits in America, evangelical pulpits, that tonight what I'm preaching makes me in a club that is now in the minority. A lot of theologians no longer believe in evil spirits, but they also don't believe in heaven or hell or salvation and a lot of other things. But I know that devils are real because I fought them. I've turned the rock over. And when the light came, they scattered. Not my light, it's his light. He's the light of the world. So what do these devils want? Why did this, this unclean spirit get into this confrontation with Jesus? I'm gonna read three verses to you and tell you what, the, what devils always want. It is their goal to do one of three things. The good thing is they don't have a lot of things on their agenda. It's one of three things. 
You ready to hear him? Number one, Acts chapter 10 and verse 38 says this. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. So the first thing, they want to oppress people. They want to oppress people. To oppress means to rule over, to have authority over. And this comes from without. So when these devils come against individuals, their goal is, is if they cannot get in you, they're trying to get on you. If they can't, if they can't become a part of you, they're trying to burden you or slow you down or to have rule over what's going on because they will oppress you. They will take everyday occurrences and things that happen and they'll start to oppress you to the point that you no longer have your mind on God and his power and you no longer have your mind on the good things of the Lord because their goal is to oppress you. That's the first thing. Number two, Luke chapter six and verse 18. And the Bible says, and they that were vexed with unclean spirits and they were healed. In other words, they brought these people that were vexed with unclean spirits. Now, no longer do they say they're oppressed. They say they're vexed. Well, what's vexed mean? Well, from that word, vexed has different meanings. It means to haunt, to bother. But the closest word from your, that's used in your Bible that means vexed is obsession. So first is oppression. Second is obsession. Do you know any people that's obsessed with stuff anymore? Now, here's the thing. We always think in terms of bad things, but that's not what the devil uses. See, these first two can happen to a Christian. The devil can oppress Christians. And the devil can cause Christians to become obsessed. And his goal is, is that if you get obsessed enough about something, then your mind is there, your heart is there, your thoughts are there, and therefore you become non-productive for God, and that means less problems for him. So he'll find something to obsess you, and it can even be a good thing. For example, if you are thinking about anything else except God right now, And I know some of you are because I've watched you. You never put your phone down since you've been in here. That is his way of getting your mind off of God. If you are more, I see people service after service. The only, and I'm glad they're in church, but the only thing they're thinking about is where they're going to eat after church obsessed. They're obsessed with certain things. Some people are obsessed, not with things, but the obsession gets to their mind and they get consumed with obsession of pride. 
Greed, if you're sitting here right now trying to figure out how much money you're losing while you're sitting in church. Or how much overtime you turn down to get to church. Or thinking about what you're going to do with your next month. Or wondering who has the highest CD rate right now. If you are obsessed with greed, if you are obsessed with hatred, if you're sitting here right now and you're trying to think about that person that you're trying to say, I'm not even gonna look their way. I'm not even gonna think about them. If you are obsessed with bitterness towards someone, if you are obsessed with trying to come up with a way to get revenge, someone the other day, terrible. They left this church. And you know what? People are so, you interpret. They left the church and they're talking about us everywhere. And I'm thinking to myself, for Pete's sake, I know dirty stuff on them. What if I treated them like they're treating us? I know their weaknesses. Man, you're not too bright. You better get your post down. And hey, you don't have to worry about me. God knows it all. He knows our heart. He knows our mind. He knows our actions. He knows what we're going to do tomorrow. He knows why you came tonight. He knows why you're in this place. He knows how close you are to him, how much you seek him and desire him. He knows it all. He wants you to get obsessed. If you get obsessed with anything, get obsessed with the Lord. Fall in love with the Lord. Fall in love with the church. Fall in love with his word. Fall in love with his music. Fall in love with praising him. That's what you get obsessed with. No wonder Paul said, I am addicted to the ministry. Obsessed. Just vexed by the devil? Or are you consumed by God? The third one. How am I doing? Good, okay. The third one, Mark 1, 32. And at even, isn't that something? It's almost nighttime. Devils love the dark. Jesus loves the light. What fellowship hath light with darkness? At even, when the sun did set, they brought unto him all that were diseased and them that were possessed with devils. So the first passage, they were oppressed. The second passage, they were obsessed. The third passage, they were possessed. Now, I want to clarify this. One of the number one questions I get, I've said it from the pulpit, but we always have new people coming in, and I want to clarify this. Biblically, a Christian cannot be possessed by devils. Why? Because I just said it to you, what fellowship hath light with darkness? We are born again, not of the flesh, but of the spirit. And the Holy Spirit does not reside 
in the same house as an unclean spirit. Where the Holy Spirit is, the unclean spirit has to go. So the believer is not possessed, but yet the believer can be oppressed and the believer, trust me, can be obsessed. But the believer cannot be possessed. See, the first one comes from without. The second one comes from within. The third one, he is on the inside. And when he is on the inside, that's why Jesus commanded him to come out of the man. Anytime unclean spirits are possessing someone, Jesus always told them to come out. They were on the inside, not on the outside, not trying to get through the door. They're on the inside. So this can only happen to unbelievers because unbelief is the key that unlocks the door for evil spirits to get in. Now, all unbelievers are not possessed. But if you are lost, you are a candidate to be possessed. That didn't go over. I'll move on. The spirit, whatever spirit possesses you, takes rule and directs you. Who is in you starts to direct your hands, your eyes, your feet, your body. Now here's, here's the complicated part of all of it. We have become a society that we don't want to turn the rocks over. So now nothing is associated to evil spirits. But the problem of it is, if we are fighting a problem in a society that is working on people and we don't call it what it is, then people can't get deliverance and it won't come out. I, I fully understand. And here's the hard part. Sometimes it's hard to discern mental illness from possession. A lot of people that I deal with that have true mental illness, they, they're concerned they're possessed. And you know what I always tell them? You're not possessed. Why? Because if you were possessed, you wouldn't tell me you were possessed. <laughs> and if you were possessed, you wouldn't want to be around me. You wouldn't. Because I know what to do when people are possessed. And you do too. Because Jesus teaches us what to do. The Bible says to try the spirits to see if they are of, be of God. He said, we, we have a way that we can find out. And when someone, there's times, that, and I'm not being hard, mental illness exists. But please hear me. Just the same as if I had a cancerous tumor, Tylenol will do me no good to get rid of the tumor. And if it is evil spirits, medication will not get rid of the evil spirit. In fact, it'll make the evil spirit more bolden to do things that he wouldn't normally try. You know, evil spirits do not have bodies. They have to find flesh and blood to act out whatever they are. If it is a evil spirit that is tied to stealing, they've got to have hands to steal with. If it is an evil spirit that is 
tied to killing because the devil's come to kill, steal, and destroy. So if they have come to kill, they've got to have somebody that'll pull the trigger or grab the knife. Are you with me? So what happens is we get these people that because they're not taught these things, they become possessed. And then all of a sudden, now you tell me what you want to tell me, but I say that somebody that will go into a classroom of little kids and gun down a bunch of six-year-olds, they are full of the devil. Full of the devil. You heard me right, that's why he's so angry. And I don't know, this might be the last sermon you'll ever hear me preach, cause he'd love to shut me up. I know his plan, but I also know the one that has power over him. And until we get back to calling evil, evil and good, good, there is a spirit of righteousness and there is a spirit of wickedness. And some things are just wicked. People that take these little children and traffic these little children, that's wickedness. It's more than perversion. It's more than mental illness. It is the devil himself coming against our society. These people that are abusive to elderly people that cannot defend themselves. It is pure evil on every level. And we've got to call it out and say there is one that has power over evil and his name is Jesus. He's the only one. Hallelujah. 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 Jesus. Jesus. Glory to God. Y'all sure this is Wednesday night? Your kids are gonna face evil out there. People that wanna destroy their lives, wanna take them down the wrong road. You better know how to rebuke evil in Jesus' name. It's real. It's real. I'm not done. Uh, I'm about to have a Holy Ghost fit. Thank God for the one that has all power in heaven and earth over every demon. He has conquered them all. And he says he has ruled and reigned over all. of devils but then we see the authority of Jesus who is this that has such authority who can take somebody that lives among the tombs and cuts themselves and has supernatural strength to bind, to break the chains that bind them and they can't contain them. Who is this that has the power to cast the devils out of them and they're clothed and sitting in their right mind and they're there following Jesus? Who may 
makes such a change in a society like that? It is Jesus. He did what church could not do. He did what religion could not do. He did what theology could not do. He took authority over them. Four things, quick. Let me tell you, four things that demons think about Jesus. Jot them down. Number one, they recognize his deity. Verse 24, he said, I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. I know who you are. You remember on one occasion, the seven sons of Sceva tried to cast out the evil spirits and they wound up getting defeated. And when they tried to cast them out, what did they say? The evil spirits. Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who are you? They know the one that has the authority. They know and recognize thou art the holy one. I know who you are. The other thing they recognize, because of his authority, they hate Jesus. They said, verse 24, let us alone. What have we to do with thee? That's how you know when someone's possessed. Leave me alone. I don't want church. I don't want prayer. Of course you don't. But the person that you're possessing does. <laughs> Maybe I better run over that. I'm not talking to you, ma'am. I'm not talking to you, sir. I'm talking to that devil inside of you. I know you hate Jesus, but I love him. and He loves me. And he's the one that has authority over you. The third thing, they fear Jesus. Look at what they said. He also said, art thou come to destroy us in verse 24? They're always afraid. Today is judgment day. They're always afraid. It's their last day to bother anybody. If the devil is fighting you, can I give you one piece of good news? He doesn't have forever. You do. He can't waste too much time on you. His days are numbered. So they're always concerned. All we're concerned about, when do we get out of this wicked world and get to go to a place where we'll live forever, where there are no devils. We have forever, but their days are numbered. So they're always afraid when Jesus shows up, is this, is this my last day? Have I done all that I can do? They are limited, he is unlimited. The other thing is, when the religious leaders talked about his authority, what authority is this? that he speaks to unclean spirits 
and they obey him. Now this is an important point. I know I'm in overtime, but I'm feeling good. You can have authority. We can have authority. You can have authority as a parent. You can have authority as a boss on a job. You can have authority as a teacher, as a principal, as a police officer. You can have authority. They don't mean they're gonna obey us. But the difference is, Jesus has authority and they have to obey. When he says, come out, they have to come out. (laughs) They don't have a choice. That's why our authority is as him. In him, that's why what we do, we do in his name. So when he commands the evil spirit to come out, the Bible says that he, the man was torn. Don't, don't read that wrong. I want you to know if you ever deal with pure evil and Jesus has taken the authority and you have exercised your authority as a believer and the evil comes out because it says they tore him. People say, oh, you'll hurt the individual. The individual was not hurt. That word torn here doesn't mean that at all. In fact, let me read Luke 4.35 of the same account. And Jesus rebuked him, that's the devil, saying, hold thy peace and come out of him. And when the devil had thrown him in the midst, he came out of him, Luke 4.35, the last phrase, and hurt him not. It don't hurt people to get rid of devils. You're not going to kill them. You're not going to hurt them. In fact, it's the day of liberty for a person. Because when Jesus says, come out, they have to obey. The key is you have to know your authority. So, I mentioned this situation. I've been planning this message for some time. But you know, you got to be careful when you're turning the rocks over because you don't know what bugs will stir up. And uh, so I'm in the middle of this and last week uh, we were in Northern Ohio, two different meetings, Brian and I, two different camp meetings back here on Wednesday night in between. But long story short, I had had a little extra time of the day that I normally don't have. And uh, because most of my time, I'm not bragging, but it's either ministering to people or it's It's preparing to preach. And so I thought, you know, I haven't read the news in quite a while. I'm gonna take a look look at the news. So I pulled up the news and it's an article, some of you probably saw it, on squatters. So here's what happened. I'll, I'll condense it for you. A man's mother was sick and dying. He's got his mother with him. His father has died. He's caring for his mother. He lives out of town. Squatters move in. Now, they can do this legally. Tell me we're not a messed up society. Legally, they can do this. They write their own lease and move in a house. And when the law comes to throw them out, they can't throw them out because they've got a lease. It's it's fraudulent. They've committed fraud. 
But by the time it gets through the court system, they've lived there for free. They've destroyed everything. They're moving into multi-million dollar mansions. There was one after that article. I found another article the very next day. They moved into a mansion out at LA, multi-million dollar mansion and destroyed it. And they had a fake lease that said they had the right to occupy it. So the man, his mother dies. He's now the rightful owner of that house. He goes and the squatters are there and they said, we're not leaving, held up the lease. The law came, the law said, the law's on their side. You've got to take them to court. It takes six to nine months to 11 months to prove that it's, it's not real. They've got this lease. He said, they wrote it up. My mother didn't sign that. She was with me, sick. She couldn't have signed it. They said, we don't care. So they possessed the property. Now the man doesn't increase. He's a handyman. Nothing like hardworking people that's got common sense. So he's laying there, can't sleep at night. This isn't right. This is my mother's house. The law couldn't evict him. See, that's where we're at right now. We're wanting everybody else to get rid of the devil when we as the church have the authority to say, hey, we've got the authority to tell you, you've got to go. It's gone through the highest court in the universe. You can't possess my loved ones. They're mine. You can't have them, they're mine. Help me preach, people. So he said, I will come and help anybody. I got rid of the squatters. I can come and help anybody. I do not advise you to do this on your own, but I can come and help anybody. I was intrigued then. I had to know what he did. He wrote a lease for himself. He caught them gone. He moved into his mother's house. When they came and called the law, he said, I've got a lease to live here. And while they were gone, he put up cameras everywhere, watching every move they had. And he said, do you know how I found that you can get rid of them? They cannot stand to live with the rightful owner. They cannot stand to live in the same house as the owner. He said in two days, they were gone. Can I tell you when the devil is fighting your loved ones, you just remind them when Jesus lives in the house or temple that he owns, the squatters, they've gotta go. They can't live in the same house as Jesus. And that means when you go home to your house tonight, you say, hey, evil spirits. Jesus is home. I brought him with me. <laughs> He's gonna lay down in his bed tonight. It's not my bed, it's his bed. He's gonna get in his refrigerator tonight. 
and eat his food because everything I've got, Jesus gave it to me. He never, devil never gave me one thing, never did one thing good for me. And all night long, the devil's gonna say, I can't stand this. I've gotta get out of here. All I hear is Bible and praying and gospel music and preaching and teaching. I've gotta get out of here. All I hear is people say, glory to God, hallelujah. I've gotta get out of here. He can't have them. Don't make the mistake of rebuking them. Rebuke him. Rebuke him. I know how he works. I know exactly what he does. And you do too. He will get you so obsessed and so oppressed because his ultimate goal is for the spirit of God not to be inside of anyone so he can become the strong man of the house. Bind him, hand and foot. Don't call the law, call the judge. I feel like there's people fighting some things. Maybe you're fighting that hatred, that bitterness, that obsession. You've lost track. You've lost track in your Christian life. You love the Lord, but you've lost track because things have obsessed you. You're compulsive with it. It used to be you were compulsive for things of God, but now you're obsessed with things that don't matter. Not that they're sinful things. You're just obsessed. And you gotta say, that's gotta change. Your loved ones are oppressed. Your loved ones are obsessed. Maybe possessed. All I can do is tell you where your authority lies. You don't have to obey me. You don't have to obey anybody else. The Bible says children obey your parents, but you don't have to obey your parents. There'll be consequences if you don't. But if you want heaven's blessings, you've got to obey Jesus. You have to. No other way. 